Welcome to All Over the Map, where we discuss anything and everything in the world of sports media. I am your host, Ali Musa. Welcome back to the studio, to episode 17 of All Over the Map. I am your host, Ali Musa. It is a pleasure to have you in the studio. I hope you have had a great weekend and a great week. I took in a lot of sports. I listened to the Leafs, Raptors, MLB playoffs, action, some CFL action. I am a fan of the Hamilton Tiger Cats. I am cheering for the Phillies in the World Series. I take the Phillies in seven. They won game one of on Friday, October 28th. Some news to pass along. Mike Luck, or Lucky, is one of the co-hosts of the Craig and Lucky Morning Show on 94.9 The Rock, CKGEFM, Oshawa, has joined the NHL on Sportsnet broadcast team as a play-by-play announcer. Luck, who has called the OHL's Oshawa Generals for 15 seasons, has been hired to call selected national Ottawa Senators and Winnipeg Jets broadcasts on Sportsnet, including Hockey Night in Canada. Congratulations to Mike, or Lucky. Congratulations to Lucky. Lucky opportunity. (laughs) Coming up this week, Ben Shulman, co-host of the Locked on Blue Jays podcast, joins me in the studio to talk about his start in media and some Blue Jays. Do not go away. We will be right back after a commercial break while we allow Ben to drive in or fly into the studio, depending on which transportation method he takes. Hey, hockey fans, with the hockey season now officially underway, it's about time for all of that hockey content to return to its rightful place. And that's why this is our podcast specifically designed for hockey fans like you. So whether you're driving to work and need some help getting ready for your team before they drop the puck, or driving to the school to learn something new in life, makes On the Ice and Behind the Benches a part of your daily routine on Tuesdays and join me as your host on the podcast as we dive deeper into all hockey conversations with experts who know the game, former hockey players, coaches, and of course, everyone's first enemy, the referees. So get ready for exclusive, fantastic, entertaining, fun hockey content on this podcast and join me, your host, Thomas McGregor, but co-host of the Sports for Beginners podcast as we take this journey together on everything and anything in the hockey world. On the Ice and Behind the Benches is the neighboring podcast to a Sports for Beginners podcast that airs episodes every Thursdays, but for us, we air episodes every Tuesdays. And for more information, please visit the Facebook page of our neighboring podcast, the Sports for Beginners podcast Facebook page to be exact. I'm so excited to begin this journey with you, and I hope you hockey fans, old, new, fan or no fan, are ready to join me on this journey as well. That's On the Ice and Behind the Benches with your host, Thomas McGregor, myself, every Tuesdays on all of your favorite podcasting platforms, including Spotify, 
And if you want early access to early episodes of the podcast upload, you can visit anchor.fm as soon as the episode has already been uploaded onto your favorite podcasting platform. Should there be any delays to its launch, that's anchor.fm for early access on On the Ice and Behind the Benches episodes before they hit your platform. We are currently available on Spotify and air episodes every Tuesday. We've got post and reaction content now, but I am excited to join the have you join me on this journey. So don't miss it. And remember, on this podcast, nobody gets icing. Question of the week for Jays fans this week. Is John Schneider the right person to leave the Blue Jays for the next three seasons? What should the priorities be for the team this offseason? Are you comfortable with trade the trading? Are you comfortable with them trading Vladdy or Bo or both to improve the bullpen? Once again, is John Schneider the right person to lead the, the Blue Jays for the next three seasons? What should the priorities be for the team this offseason? Are you comfortable with them trading Vladdy or Bo or both to improve the bullpen? If that is what's necessary. Send in your comment. Leave us a voice message on our anchor page. Or if you prefer, you can email them to atompodcast819 at gmail.com. If you are going that route of leaving a voice message or sending in some feedback, which I would encourage you to which I encourage you to do. I want you to participate. But if you do, and you would like me to use it on air, please mention that in your feedback, either written, if you're writing it in, and in your voice message, please mention it that we that I can use it on air. Otherwise, if you don't give me permission, I will not use it on air.
Welcome to All Over the Map, where we discuss anything and everything in the world of sports media. I am your host, Ali Musa, welcoming you back. Joining me in the studio today is Ben Shulman. Ben is the host of the Locked On Blue Jays podcast, and he has done some play-by-play as well. Ben, thank you so much for taking the time to join me in the studio today. Thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate it. I've been looking forward to this. Took a, a little time to come together, but now that we uh, we got it done, I'm, ex- I'm excited to get going. Tell me a little bit about yourself. Sure. Grew up just north of Toronto. Uh, played uh, a lot of sports growing up. It was kind of always uh my thing you know even uh as a a little kid the matt sundin maple leafs and even you know just some dreadful uh dreadful baseball teams unfortunately uh when i was younger and and some uh post vince carter you know raptors teams were really what got my focus at that point i played uh a lot of hockey and baseball and pretty much knew from uh, a young age that broadcast was something that i wanted to get into and just started to kind of pursue that through high school and then into university and and now doing it after awesome now did you have one of those moments though when you were young of of like while you were listening to the radio or watching television or something where uh watching a game or watching a leaf game or a jays game or something where uh you, you pretended to do the the play-by-play Honestly, uh, I, I, it happened a lot. I can't really uh, it, pinpoint a specific moment because I feel like a lot of people in my life, you know, just for fun. And I don't know, I don't remember if I was at all good at it or anything, but when I was young would get me to just as a joke, you know, call a home run or, or do something like that. So, uh, you know, it wasn't maybe the traditional story you, you hear from, especially, you know, in the past where, you know, a, a kid begged his parents for a tape recorder. I was really encouraged, to be honest, to do a lot of stuff like that. Um, so it, it happened a lot from an early age. And I was always kind of, uh, you know, had an eye on broadcasting and, and was looking toward it. Well, that was your inspiration then of, you know, just being like, you know, watching sports and pay atten- paying attention to sports and your inspiration to get into broadcasting. Yeah, and not being very good at them either. Uh, you know, I think that there was a definitely a, a bit of a motivator when you know I actually, for some reason, somehow I snuck my way onto some teams with some very good players when I was younger in terms of hockey. Uh, I just I learned to backward skate at a very young age. I was a pretty good backward skater, so some very solid teams. Uh, were you know taking me on to be defensemen for them when I was really young and a lot of guys on those teams you know played AAA their whole lives or you know a couple of them got drafted and played juniors or or you know are or maybe even still are just about now wrapping up CHL careers uh, and very early on in those environments I realized that I was not nearly as good uh, as a lot of other people were at sports despite the fact that I loved them as much if not more than pretty much everyone else that I would be sharing a dressing room with so that combined with my love for you know broadcasting it was like okay I love sports I'm not that good at them and here's a thing in sports that I think I'd love to do and that really you know it, it it's how can I stick around basically it was like well you basically have to play to coach and I'm not an Ivy League guy so I'm not going to be you know a, a GM and broadcast really slots in as, as a nice happy medium I think for uh for my life and my skill set. You have, you know, passionate, like you have, you know, excellent broadcasters, like who we, we mentioned off air as well, Ben Wagner, we have, you know, and Joe Bowen, of course. Right. I mean, and I mean, Joe Bowen, like he's been, like he's been doing it for many, many years. Oh yeah. Like did that also have like, did you ever kind of grow, like say listening to Joe Bowen, and going, well, you know, this would be something that this play-by-play is something that that I would love to do kind of thing if it, if it gets to that point. I think early on it wasn't as, you know, conscious or put together as that. It was almost just, you know, uh, Joe Bowen specifically talking about him. I mean, he was just legendary amongst my friends. If we're playing mini sticks 
in the basement when we're nine years old and a pass goes across and the goalie dives across and makes a save, you know, someone's going to yell, holy Mackinac or something like that. You're going, you know, you're just going to have him as a part of your experience and, and these great figures that we had. Unfortunately, I wasn't, you know, necessarily, uh, you know, around for the Tom Cheek era, but for me, Jerry Howarth, uh, you know, such a legendary broadcaster that, was doing the blue Jays when I was growing up. And of course, Ben has now slotted in and done a phenomenal job as well. And, and these people just, I think when you're a kid become at least for me and people have brains like me, they become the sport. They're such a, a part of the identity or they become the team. If it's the Leafs, it's Bowen. If it's the blue Jays, it's Howard or it's Wagner now. And it just, it ties together so much that yes, it does in your brain. I think in the back of your mind, you're thinking like, wow, it would be awesome to be these people. But in the front of my head, it I wasn't registering it as a kid. I just loved Joe Bowen. And then that turned into later, you know, a point where it was like, wow, maybe if I do these things, I could try and be like him someday. What impact did Dan Schulman have on you, on your inspiration to be a broadcaster? A very, I would, yeah, a pretty substantial one. Uh, definitely. I would say it would be, uh, it would be, undermining it to say it wasn't substantial i think the the biggest impact that it had on me especially early on um is that i was paying attention to the broadcasters if if i was six years old and i was watching a game normally the the players i mean it's true and i say it today as someone who goes out and broadcast games the players are so much more interesting you know a guy who can throw a ball 400 yards in in a 60 minute game is cooler than the person who's going to talk about it doesn't mean they're both not cool but um you know i think i would have been paying attention to that had i not been also drawn to the fact that yes my dad was doing some games so i pay attention to him and then all of a sudden i find myself listening to the words actually and and like digesting the words that other broadcasters are saying at a young age so it just it got me tuned in I think a little bit and listening to people and then he's you know somewhat directed me but also I think at the same time not been uh as involved maybe as some people would think because we both don't want this to be some sort of copycat thing you know a dan trollman jr type thing he doesn't want to make me sound like him in a way so while he has had a a big impact most of it has honestly been outside of what is going on the air and all the other stuff and what goes on the air he'll give you know a point or two here or them but i would likely i think be broadcasting in you know if i didn't know him but at the same time he was been a huge inspiration, of course, to me getting into that career. He hosted at one point, it was a Sportsnet podcast, um, a swing and a belt at one point. Yes, yes. And, and um, for a while, um, you did, for, for a while, you, did, you were helping him out with the show. I mean, he was really good. Yeah. Yeah. I almost feel bad. I, I don't think I was, I was good, <laughs> but uh, he was very good. That was a, I think that was a really fun experience. And I think if, if I asked him or if anyone asked him, he would say the same, that he, he had never done something like that before he had hosted, you know, back in the day before my time, he had hosted primetime sports, but the podcast world is a bit different than uh, the talk hosting world. And for me, that was a crazy experience. I mean, I had, I had done some work in high school to that point, but I was still in high school uh, and I was very grateful. It gave me the opportunity to come on and just at least get my feet wet a little bit and get a little more comfortable with a mic. And I had a lot of fun. I got to talk to some really exciting people and, and got to do some really fun episodes. And that was just a great experience overall. And he, it seemed too like that he, I mean, not seen, but he had fun too doing it like oh yeah he and, loved doing it i think he had a ton of fun you know like and and just and also really and just like the fact that that you know he you know that he was that he was uh, that he adapted and he learned and continues to everything to do a show yeah yeah no he there definitely was a learning curve i mean there is uh there was he didn't go to school for broadcast i i would say first off but second off 
I, I think that, you know, the technical stuff, some of the stuff that I learned, you know, in school, he didn't really learn when he was younger because some of it didn't exist and some of it he didn't need to learn at that point. So when he was handed certain recorders and certain mics and told different things, there was, you know, he's he's a good study. I'll, I'll say that he, you know, he you figured he was going to get in and in the lab and figure out how to work everything before the show had to get to air. And, and he really figured everything out in a pretty short period of time to make sure it was comfortable. But uh, it was a, a big undertaking, I know, uh, for him. You know, he he wanted to do it right. And Sportsnet has a, a long line of very good podcasts. So, you know, if, if people are going to latch on to another one, if they're going to commit more of their time, then it's got to be something that's worthwhile. And I I think he felt that he delivered with that. And and I did, too, that it was uh, uh, an entertaining podcast that he had a lot of fun with. Yeah, and 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 he also was doing a little bit of the like a, it was kind of a news based show during the uh, uh, the pandemic season. Yes, yeah, it changed a little bit. I mean, I, the unfortunate thing, uh, the the great thing about you know the the season prior is, you know, one thing that was fun for him is you know as he's traveling around, whether at that time it was with the Blue Jays or ESPN he's probably going to know someone on some team. So it's a good chance to reconnect. Obviously in the pandemic, there was not many times where you could walk into a manager's office or something like that and reconnect with people in that same way. So uh, they had to find other things to talk about and, and they did, and it was fun, but obviously like many things, the pandemic took away, you know, maybe that connection that you would have had, had you been sitting in someone's office or at someone's desk uh, directly across from them that makes a lot of these conversations really great and congratulations to him as well he's had an amazing career as well and and um on the day of this recording he will be um doing i believe he'll be doing games a game uh, three tonight yes yeah it is his uh final world series on radio for espn so congrats to him he is uh, stepping back from that after this season, but he is in Philadelphia on ESPN radio for uh, the remainder of the series. And I mean, it's been a great series so far. So I think he uh, he's very excited to keep that going and uh, and to see, you know, if, if the big dog Astros or the underdog Phillies can pull out this World Series. Yeah, no, and breaking news. No, congratulations again as well on that. And um, yeah, um, and uh, and uh, who, who are you cheering for, by the way? I don't know if I have much of a rooting interest. I actually like both teams, to be honest. I usually I come in with someone that I like more, but I I genuinely uh, would be happy for both teams here. You know, on the Houston side, I understand why a lot of people have animosity there. For me. Uh, I've mostly kind of put it behind just because so many of the players are different, including, I mean, one of my favorite players, Jordan Alvarez, it makes me really hard. It makes it really hard for me to root against Houston because of how much I like him. And then on the other side, the Phillies are so fun. Rob Thompson, obviously Canadian manager, first one in nearly a hundred years and has a chance to do something that's really has barely happened in baseball's history, which is take over a team midway through the year and lead them to a world series title and the underdogs are fun and Bryce Harper, you know, when, when I look back at some of the staple players that, you know, I grew up on Mike Trout and Bryce Harper are going to be in that mix. So wouldn't it be awesome for Bryce to, you know, bring home that world series title. So it's really hard for me to pick. I really, I just want, I want the series to go six or seven games. Other than that, uh, I'll be happy either way. Cause I think, both of these teams would be a very fun World Series champion. There is a team I'm cheering for in this one. Okay, who do you got? Um, you can take a guess. I'm going to guess that you're cheering for the Phillies. Yes. Yeah, which I would say is the vast majority. I understand. It's just for me, I have kind of assigned the cheating to the the 2017 to 19 group i'm like 2020 and on for me is kind of uh a new era of houston astros baseball i do like uh, i do like steve sparks i do like the the broadcast crew steve sparks is amazing um yes very uh, good um i'm 
and um, he, he, you know, I, I like to listen to the different, I'm, I'm an audio guy, right? I'm, I'm uh, you know, like being totally blind, like I li- I'm an audio guy. I've always, you know, enjoyed that. Yeah, no, they have, they have a great crew. I mean, obviously the, the major leagues is, is littered with phenomenal crews, but it is, it is awesome that although, you know, some TV broadcasts, um you know get a lot of the the shine there are so many phenomenal uh radio groups that are going out there every day during the regular season and we have you know it's a yeah, obviously the the two best teams meet in the world series but we have some some very good broadcasters too uh with the astros and phillies facing off john the phillies have a great crew too john oh, yeah. sterling as well uh, john john sterling um the braves crew as well there's a lot of i i um, there's a lot of good crew for sure describe you you also co-hosted the um ostrom the ostrom avenue podcast yeah describe what that was like please yeah sure so that was an endeavor uh that i was in when i was at school at syracuse university in upstate new york uh just about two hours south of buffalo so uh, when I was there, uh, I worked for an NPR station, kind of like a CBC equivalent, National Public Radio, uh, and we called games while I was there. I would broadcast uh, Syracuse football, men's basketball, and men's lacrosse, but uh, we found that there was a lot of people who wanted extra coverage, and you know, as as you are participating in right now, and as many people are, you know, the podcast space has, has really exploded, and People wanted more of that. So uh, some guys a little bit older than me put together uh, a podcast, the Ostrom Avenue podcast, which is uh, the street where our station is located, just a couple blocks away from Syracuse University. And uh, that was a ton of fun. We were able to you know, provide a lot of midweek coverage for some of these teams. You know, basketball is a little quicker, but football lacrosse are once a week sports. So there are a lot of fans, especially for college football in the U.S., that are going to be wanting, you know, stuff most days or every day. So we could do that. And and it was great. I got brought on by some older guys. Then they left and I got to take it over and really revolutionize the show. I had a lot of fun kind of changing some of the formats and talking with great guests, including uh, current Duke head coach John Shire, when he was the assistant coach of Duke uh, last year, came on and spoke with us. Uh, Jay Billis, ESPN analyst, spoke with us, uh, among some other people. So, uh, you know, that was uh, a phenomenal experience. And two people that I hosted with, Ethan Frank and Johnny Gadamowitz, continue uh, to host it now. So uh, they're doing a phenomenal job. And it's something that I hope, you know, 10, 15 years from now is still going and I can be uh the old guy that remembers uh when we first started it all up no and and that's like um it's it's really an enthusiasm and a a chance really to continue to keep on the the hosting style of a basketball show yeah yeah it was uh i mean basketball in syracuse is king there although football in the united states is king you know we were uh, a basketball style show for most of the year because when jim Beheim and the orange tip off that's all anyone cares about so it, it was fun and and i love basketball i mean there really isn't a sport i dislike for the most part but i love basketball and to be able to do something like that and and talk about college basketball which is its own unique kind of fun compared to the nba uh, was, you know, a really unique experience that uh, I treasure a lot. Do you want to describe the differences in terms of the radio and podcast mar- um, elements or industry, we can call it, between the differences between Canada and the U.S. media markets, how the differences really Sure. Yeah. I mean, I think so much of the difference just comes down to size. You know, uh, obviously there are about 10 times as many people in the United States. And uh, with that comes, you know, not exact math, but probably close to 10 times as many sports teams and 10 times as many newspapers and 10 times as many radio stations. So I, I think the difference is that there's, uh, you know, there's a flooded market everywhere now, especially with the Internet. But the market is 
is so flooded uh, in the United States. There are just so many places covering so many teams. You'll go to, uh, you know, a Syracuse basketball game. I mean, we are a, a fairly prominent program. We're uh, part of the Power Five conferences, the top five conferences in college football. We're in the ACC with big schools like Duke and Miami. But at the same time, you know, to have 14, 15 different writers on the Syracuse side show up for that game and there's daily coverage it's it's a lot here with the teams we have but and Toronto especially you get a taste of it in Toronto I really think because there are three pro sports teams here so there's a lot of coverage but the the still the vastness the amount of coverage the number of people putting their thoughts out in the United States uh is just unparalleled and and the ability to have original coverage too because there's so many people doing it uh is unparalleled and because of that there's more university programs and stuff so that that to me sticks out the most when i go to the u.s just there's so much even you know with a with minor league sports and stuff like that you're going to see so many people covering it because there are so many people and there are so many sports and it's an industry that so many americans really want to break into why is it then based on your experience that they have gotten like over there like you've got the the odyssey podcast the odyssey network yeah right you've got that and it was very interesting one time it was very interesting like back uh, in back in september um alan what i found really interesting and i'd love to kind of would love to chat about this here that um that uh, alan davis was on with uh with Bob McCowan and John Shannon. Okay. Right. And what he and something that stuck out stood out to me was that that they in the US are you know developing that talent and and creating the content. Yeah, I mean I do, I do think it, a lot of it comes down to where are the programs, you know, in the in the US there are so many four-year university programs that are specifically media with a and with an easy way to focus on sports media. There are those programs in Canada. They do exist for sure, but there are far fewer of them. I, Ryerson has a massive one and a very good one, and a lot of people like to go there. And I know there are a lot of uh, colleges here that uh, do have good programs that people have, you know, made it to very high places from. And then again, uh, you know, we talked about my dad, he didn't even go to school. So the, it's definitely, you know, an interesting career. But at the same time, uh, there are just so many programs in the US in universities. And then it starts even before that when I showed up to university, almost everyone that I knew at Syracuse in my journalism program, their high school had a broadcast program. And that's just comes down to things of, you know, the US landscape of private and public high school and how that all goes. But, um, you know, they were having, you know, cameras and studios in their high school. Now that's, I don't know how quickly we could get to that, but if there was, you know, more places, I think for young people to go try this skill initially, you know, I was able to go work at a Rogers TV, Richmond Hill station, uh, when I was in high school, unfortunately, that station is now closed, so people can't do that anymore. That helped me a lot. If I hadn't done that, I wouldn't have had the foundation to go pursue broadcast. So I think you're right. I mean, I think there's probably because there's more people and there's more of an industry, there's just more of an investment into creating these, uh, you know, media professionals that uh, they need a lot in the US and we need them in Canada, too, but they need them in such mass numbers that they uh, I guess are investing in it maybe a little bit more. It, that is interesting, but but what I'm sort of find, what I'm sort of know what what we're noticing though is we are seeing companies like um, SiriusXM, you know, Apple and Amazon and Spotify that are actually in that are creating that are creating more content. For Where? sure, everyone's got to be a, a content creator now. You know, it's uh, the everyone wants to be that because right steals and the way it works, 
the more you have to buy from someone else, it's just too expensive. Uh, and it's getting more and more expensive, you know, as the years go on, obviously, because sports as an industry, it's good and, and bad for certain places, but it's good mostly that more and more people want to watch it. And it's making more, that's why the players make more money and the owners make more money and the stadiums are nicer. But that means that, you know, the, the rights deals are going to cost more. So the more that you can produce your own content, the less you have to rely upon other people for content, uh, just the more revenue you're going to make overall. Whereas it seems that your traditional media in where it seems that your traditional media companies, they, what do we want to say? Like, slow, are they like slower to adapt or maybe more cautious in adapting? Um, because you know, I don't, if you look at a major network. While obviously we all know the world is heading towards streaming podcasts, you know, your, your TV is going to have a lot of apps. It's probably, it, you know, probably won't be a cable at some point. It'll probably be, you know, here's your Disney app and here's your whatever app and stuff like that. So much revenue is still tied up in traditional media. Like there is still, you know, an audience of whatever million when Alabama played Texas this year, I'm sure, you know, they made a ton of money off that off that TV broadcast and stuff like that. So I do think we are seeing some major players adapt. I mean, you look at ESPN, uh, you know, ESPN plus has become itself uh, a major streaming service. And especially in the U S I don't know uh, as much in Canada, given that ESPN obviously is an American network, but uh, in the U S they've created this bundle that I, I know from personal experience. But how about the Canadian sport, like the Canadian networks? Yeah. So I, you know, CBC gem, uh, they have their, you know, which isn't necessarily uh, sports, but uh, I, I think we're, we're going to see it more uh, as it continues. I mean, obviously, the, the thing is that, you know, Canadians do just a lot ask to consume American content. We want to consume a lot of American sports, even if we don't say we want to. Um, obviously, you know, Canadians prefer this, the sports that broadcasts of the Canadian teams, but there's so much outside of that. Um, that for a, to a certain extent, the Canadian players, I think, rely upon the American uh, media companies to make content. And the Canadian one, ones might always be somewhat reliant on purchasing that and then playing it because there's just some stuff that's so big that's produced by, you know, an ESPN and NBC of Fox uh, or an Amazon or an Apple or Google or whoever it's going to be in the future. Um, that the Canadian networks might rely upon that as much as making their own content. Right. But so like, do you think where Sirius XM has that advantage because they have more, they have more channels? Yeah. I mean, they have, you know, and they have the world really, they can put, you know, they can put anyone on the forefront, which is kind of nice. While it's obviously a, a pretty American dominated lineup there is you know our, our good stable of of toronto people on uh channel 91 on on nhl network but yeah it's definitely i mean sirius xm too with the app has expanded beyond their channels that's i i don't even know what i'd do without sirius xm at this point they have put themselves in a really good spot i think and and although you know i some people feel that radio is not on the spot it once was and that might be true I still think that, you know, there's always going to be driving and there's always going to be radio and, and still there's always going to be people who want an audio platform and, and podcasts and radio have their own unique advantages to each other. And there's, there's a certain, uh, you know, up to the minute newsworthiness with radio that I think uh, Sirius XM can really satisfy because it's like, hey, I'm on NHL radio, they're about to flip to commercial flip to MLB radio, two channels beside it. Now I can go a hundred down the line, listen to some comedy. So you're right. I mean, they've really, they have a big corner of the market for sure. Oh yeah, definitely. No, I, it's a great, it, it really is a great service. Yeah. Especially the, the streaming service. Yeah. It's, it's phenomenal. I mean, if I, I couldn't have designed it better. Uh, they, they, uh, or no one could, I think they have, they have done a very good job and it has, it has quickly enveloped much of the, uh, I will say, much of the AM and FM content. Like I'm list, I'm still listening to some, but less AM and FM, obviously, with uh, yeah. with the XM content, just providing pretty much anything you need. Yeah, 
Exactly. Now, do you want to tell us about what is it like hosting the Locked On Blue Jays podcast? Let's start with what is it, and then we can get into it. Sure. Yeah. Uh, the Locked On Blue Jays podcast is a daily podcast while the season goes. Um, so, you know, talking about people wanting content, this is really for the diehard Blue Jay fans. Uh, it's, you know, podcast five days a week. My co-host was Matt Bonaparte, uh, who actually, and I know this would immediately scare some people, uh, is from Connecticut and is a Yankee fan, uh, but is a really knowledgeable baseball mind. Uh, and I thought would provide a pretty good kind of counterpoint, uh, you know, let let us shade a little bit of our, you know, Toronto fog out of our vision and see if he can, you know, when I'm screaming that someone should be an all-star, maybe he'll have a more neutral perspective. So we go, would go on there and talk about the biggest storylines of the day and, and the biggest trades and, you know, should this guy be moved up in the lineup and just kind of living the season with the listeners. And I think a lot of the, the feedback we got from people was that it felt like they were listening along with us or sorry, that they were like, just, watching the season along with us and it was just like talking to people the morning after a game so you know that's that's exactly what we wanted and it was a a great great time for sure to be able to cover the jays uh for the full 162. that's a great experience and the locked on network like they've got like podcasts for like i'm really enjoying that to be honest they've got podcasts for every team they've got like locked on Astros, locked on Phillies, you know, locked on Bills, locked on Leafs, locked on Raptors even. Yeah, no, it's a it's a huge community. I discovered it because like the network itself, because they had a locked on Syracuse at our university. Um, they have pretty much anything, especially in the major four sports, you're going to find anything you want. And then the college sports space, if that's uh, what you like, you'll find pretty much anything you want either. It's a big community. It's very collaborative, too. We did uh, some crossover episodes. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, we had the uh, the Leafs and Raptors locked on host comfort us at the end of the Blue Jays season. Uh, so that was, uh, you know, a, a great community to be a part of and and a, a really, a really big business. Yeah, that's going to get more and more uh, prominent as we go forward, I think, because with people's attention spans, they want stuff every day, and that's what Locked On provides. We we were talking just a second about um, um, you know about about um, Sirius XM there, and the to be honest with you, and this is no you know, and this is not. I don't mean this in uh, like as a as a as a as a necessarily a negative thing, but um, but I find that you can that I'm getting more like with the locked on network then with the with with the traditional like with your traditional um sports radio content yeah and it's interesting because you know you flip between a series xm and a locked on and you're you're looking at two very different types of people in a way the you know the you can get two different things on the series xm side you know mlb network radio these are very very qualified and uh you know reputable people that you're going to see out there who have major league credentials talking about it now the only thing you get with a locked on that you're not going to get there is i'm not expecting uh the series xm hosts to watch 145 blue jays games this year he doesn't have time for that no one does you can't watch 145 games of every team uh you know you'd never get out of your house so uh that is the nice thing that you can get from locked on is uh, you know we're we're really not going to miss much, you know, like you're there for every game. So, you know, that, that big move, you know, where, you know, some let's, you know, they pinch it for Tapia one time and he, and he gets a big hit. Well, you know, we know the next time they call up Tapia that that happened last time. And we'll, you know, if he struck out and, you know, the person who hasn't been watching 145 games, it's not at any fault of their own, just may not know that, you know, Hey, maybe it wasn't a bad idea. It'd come up for them before, but we're going to have that idea because we're so diehard to the team. So that's why that's everything gets more niche as we you know continue forward and more people can produce content. Um, there's less barriers to people being involved in the industry. And with that, uh, you can find people slip into these niches, like, uh, you know, being the Blue Jays or the Astros podcast or the Phillies podcast. And then uh, you can find your little edge, even over, you know, the big guys who are really good at a uh, series XM. Yeah. I know what I meant was between, 
between, you know, like you put the two together, like between, like on Locked On and SiriusXM, you get more content and yeah. that is more quality than you would say on your Toronto sports station. Yeah, you can get a lot from there. I mean, especially, you know, if the Blue Jays are in it, maybe, um, you know, they're that, you know, 590 and, and 1050 and everyone in the area is, has got some better info. But yeah, especially right now, I mean, that's the beauty of the internet eh? is, is no longer uh, are the local people needed to be sent out and cover the big uh, event all the time because we can go right to the people in the local area. So yeah, I, I'm not surprised that you would find that because uh, you can get a lot from, you know, that pair of podcasts and then getting kind of the national perspective from the big guys. Yeah. And let's, uh, how, let's talk some Blue Jays here. Sure. Love it. That, um, and that, um, the Blue Jays made it to the, uh, wild card round of yes. the playoffs this year. Describe the, the atmosphere in the building. It was fun. Uh, I got to go for game two. Uh, I was not in the building for game one. Uh, so, I mean, game two was its whole own mess, but it was a lot of fun. There's nothing like playoff baseball. Um, and I really think that people came out, they were jazzed up, hanging on every pitch. Uh, I, I do think the craziest, you know, I, I got, I was lucky enough to be there in 2015, I still would probably chalk that up as the craziest environment I've been in. Now, there were a lot of factors when the Blue Jays made it in 2015. They had not made the playoffs since 1993. So that was, you know, for for me, it was the first time in my lifetime the Blue Jays had made it. For a lot of people, even if it wasn't li literally the first time in their life, it might have been the first time in their adult life or, or first time in a long, long time. Uh, so that environment was nuts. But this one was pretty on par. Um, and it's unfortunate that it went the way it went. Uh, but it was great that, you know, they gave us that experience in a way. You know, the Mariners, it's great that they got to advance. They ended up only actually playing one game at home. The Blue Jays fans did get to see two home playoff games. So in a way, you're lucky to have that, even if it didn't end up uh, turning out the way that a lot of fans wanted it to go. Yeah, I mean, Cal, Ra Cal Rally. I hope I said his name right. Yeah, looked, Cal Rally, Raleigh, something like that. Yeah, he looked he looked great in both of those games. He is fun. Yeah, the uh, the rookie catcher for Seattle is definitely someone to look out for. Only twenty five and uh, is a little bit of a boomer bust guy. I mean, strikes out a lot, but at the same time, hits a lot of home runs, and that'll get you. Uh, some long-term financial security these days in the major leagues, for sure. If you can hit 27 home runs like he did this year, and then uh, you like these boomer bust guys because come playoff time, you know, he got hot and he was uh, a problem. His homer in game one really was kind of the dagger and then uh, picks up three hits in game two. Ended up going a little bit cold against Houston. Not really going to blame anyone for that, though, considering the pitching staff uh, that they have there but yeah he's he's a force i mean the blue jays have some great catching and some great young catching and they have a chance to dominate the catching world in the american league for you know a while to come but seattle uh, as well is in a really good spot with what they have behind the plate in raleigh yeah go, go jays for next season yeah it should be it should be interesting you know they'll see I mean, john schneider is the manager and we all know that now and uh, you know, we'll, we'll see if, if Hunjin Ryu can come back and what they want to do in the off season with a couple pieces Some people will be looking at Kikuchi for sure. They'll be looking at the catchers. I'd be surprised if one of Kirk Jansen Moreno wasn't traded before next year. And so it'll be interesting. I mean, I think there'll be some changes, a lot of the same, but, uh, it's, you know, they, they tend to go on some runs, you know, they they made it a, a couple times in the 80s and should have made it three to should have had 85, 87, 89. Then they made it a couple years in a row in the 90s and obviously took some home, had a couple years back to back in the in the mid 2010s. So I I don't think that this uh, trip to the wild card was a one off for them. I, I think that this is the start of uh, something that could be pretty fun. You mentioned John Schneider there. He had the interim tag uh, removed and was named the full time manager. 
by the team. Yeah. Um, and he year uh, he signed um, he signed a three year contract with a club option for twenty twenty six. Yes. What does that mean for Shapiro and uh, for Mark Shapiro and Ross Atkins, based on how you view the signing? Do they feel he is the guy to lead them deeper into the playoffs? And eventually to a World Series. Uh, yeah, from outside speculation, I I would say yeah that that is to me what this contract indicates. I mean, I, I, who knows? You know exactly. It's a little easier, honestly, to know how player negotiations work than manager negotiations because players are performance are you know very tangible. There are numbers and and we can say okay, you know they, they're giving him this contract because he had a good year after some mediocre years or they're giving him this contract because he was really good but he just had a dip so that makes sense. For Schneider, uh, obviously it's a little more nuanced on on opinion on how you think he did although he does have a record to stand behind him and a pretty good one. Um I think giving him 3 years is giving him uh, a runway to say, yeah, I th- we think that we can win a World Series with you as the manager. I mean, it, it essentially gives him control of the team while they have control of their young guys. While Vladdy's still on his rookie deal, while Bo is still on his rookie deal, while Manoa, Manoa's rookie deal will a little bit outlast Schneider's uh, contract here. But uh, he, he had control of the team while they have control of the players. So... To me, that's saying Schneider and this group, they think they're good. And it, it seems like a reasonable assumption. I mean, before this year, at large, the baseball world said that. And the Blue Jays didn't quite live up to that. But uh, people seem to think they have something pretty good here. And Schneider, you know, to his credit, won 46 games uh, and in only 74 tries. So that's pretty good. If you can you know, extrapolate 46 and 28 to a whole year, which isn't exactly how it works, uh, then you win about a hundred games and, you know, they, they made a midseason uh, manager switch back in the nineties to Cito Gaston and gave him uh, a little bit of runway and that ended up or, or 89 and that ended up working out uh, pretty well for them a couple of years down the line. So I, I'm not declaring John Schneider as Cito Gaston because, uh, you know, neither of them uh, that makes any sense for, but, uh, yes, I do think this is them instilling some confidence that Schneider can go out there and and give this team a good chance to win a World Series. Yeah, what did you? That's going to be very nice to see what happens. And what do you feel like the collision between Bichette and Springer? What do you feel based on how you viewed it that? it was a result of was it in game two was it a result that they were just frustrated they gave up the lead do you feel uh no i i, I probably wouldn't pin it to that i will say i was there in person so a, a lot of people on tv had a better view than i did from my view uh although you know i have not gone back and checked on this because i don't think a lot of people are uh are are a lot of players and coaches are talking about that game right now but uh, in my view, I, I think Springer was coming in, sprinting in, and when you're sprinting in, you don't always call the ball. When a fly ball is hit and you know you're going to catch it, you call it. But if you don't know you're going to catch it, you don't call it because if someone else calls it, then you get out of the way because you didn't know you were gonna, you were going to be able to catch it. The effort needed to dive is enough to say this isn't a guaranteed play. Um, so I thought that Springer was charging in and Bichette was charging out and both of them were probably sprinting at a speed fast enough that they would not have felt comfortable and were far enough away from the ball that they would not have felt comfortable calling it. The unfortunate thing is if everyone pulls up, which is the opposite of what happened, everyone went in, it probably drops in and instead, you know, the Blue Jays are in a precarious position, but it's more than likely a one run lead for the Blue Jays with second and third and two outs. That doesn't happen. However, they were up eight to one in that game. I will, it's it's hard to for me to focus on that play at least because that to me was a game where twenty things went wrong, and if nineteen of the twenty things went wrong, they probably won or at least took it to extra innings. That happened to be the last one, and what it mostly came down to in my mind, to sum up a long-winded answer, is that 
like a million plays in baseball history, a guy hit a ball to a perfect spot. He just hit a ball almost exactly in between the shortstop and the center fielder. And it caused a lot of problems. And for Seattle, you know, they ended up picking up the win and the series win because of it. They tied it up. They used like two four run innings to, you know, eventually just tie the game up and take the lead 10 9 in the top of the ninth inning. Yeah, it really, I mean, it was it was a game in complete control at one point when the Blue Jays were up 8 1. It really changed when, uh, who was it? Jesus Aguilar. Oh, no, Jesus Aguilar is on. Someone hit a grand slam. I forget exactly who. Um, hit a grand. Oh, um, Carlos Santana. That's who it was. Uh, different acquisition, different team. Carlos Santana hit a grand slam, uh, to make it an 8 1 game after they took Kevin Gosman out, and that was the problem. Gosman pitched well, but had pitched with the bases loaded for a lot, and then uh, Tim Mesa came in and uh, gave up the grand slam. And when it got to eight to five, it got testy. Then again, the Blue Jays made it nine to five. And like you said, it took another four run inning. So it was still in decent control. And even with the collision, it was a tie game. Now that's kind of like saying, even after the Hartman game, there was still another game to go. It's one of those things where sure the game was tied after the second four run inning, but you knew the Blue Jays weren't going to win. Like there was the momentum had clearly gone the way of Seattle. So look, sometimes Jose Bautista hits a home run and you bat flip. Sometimes the team erases an 8-1 lead on you. Baseball is one of those sports that rips your heart out and also gives you the greatest joy in the world because it can just, there's no clock. It can just flip at any moment at to any magnitude. Any amount of runs can be scored at any time. There's no cap. Uh, so it's it was a heartbreaking loss for everyone on the Toronto side. But, uh, you know, a lot of teams go through heartbreak many times before uh, they even triumph. So, you know, it's just part of the story. The team has some things they need to address. What are some do you feel the team will try to address to uh, make adjustments? Like what is the what is the possibility of them looking at um dealing Bichette and Guerrero to add some help in the bullpen. There, there, has, there has even been some perspectives that they should extend uh, them. Yeah, I would, I would say they are, I don't know, but if I had to guess, if you told me to put money down right now, I would far more bet on them extending, especially Guerrero, but both of them um over trading either of them and if they were going to trade them it would be for a lot um i do think they're going to address the bullpen i don't think they need to trade vladimir Guerrero jr or boba to do that um i think they'll look in the free agent market there's always free agent relievers and frankly it doesn't have to be a guy that was amazing last year relievers pop in and out out of nowhere you just need to find a guy that they like because of the stuff he has and see if they can make them work like a lot of the really good teams do. But I think they'll look there. They say they're going to look at the rotation. That's really interesting. I mean, Ross Stripling is going to walk most likely. Uh, there's almost no possibility of them re-signing him just because he was phenomenal. Like, good for him. He was a, he was fantastic. He's likely, uh, you know, got himself a contract that uh, they, with the money they have tied down right now, are not going to commit to. So. What they're looking at here is, you know, their rotation. They know they're going to have Manoa, Gosman, Barrios. They have Kikuchi under contract. It, there's $10 million left on his deal over the each of the next two years. So it's a $36 million three-year contract, but $16 million already paid. So it's a little less money if they wanted to try and trade him and eat it. But I think they look for a starter. I think they at least shop a catcher out to see if uh, there's a good starter they can bring back in. I also think... Uh, that the future of the outfield is uh, going to start lingering into conversations soon. George Springer was good this year. He was healthier. He played 133 games, which sounds good, but he was not fully healthy for a lot of them. You want George Springer fully healthy. When he is at the peak of his powers or even just 100% healthy, he is phenomenal. And Blue Jays fans have seen that. And even before that, Astros fans saw it. Uh, for the better part of a decade. So 
is is he going to be a right fielder? When is he going to be a right fielder? Because Teoscar Hernandez is in the last year of his contract. Now, there's some crazy stuff going on, but if if George is going to be a right fielder and Teoscar's in the last year of his contract, what what value does he have? You know, can can you get something for him? This is a guy that uh, you know, is just a year removed from back-to-back silver slugger campaigns, was one of the best players in the shortened season, hit 32 home runs last year, and has hit 20, essentially. If I'm not counting as 16 in 2020. Has hit 20 homers every year since 2018 or since 2017. So uh, he's someone that I think maybe is like a sneaky person they could be shopping out, but I think they're looking at the outfield. I think they might get a little more left-handed hitting, but they actually – didn't hit lefty pitching this year. So I don't think um, that they're focused on crazily getting a ton of lefties. Uh, So I think the starting rotation, obviously the bullpen, they want to pick up some pieces. Uh, And then on the lineup side, maybe look for a center fielder. Uh, Maybe there's a chance that they think Springer is the right fielder next year and, and could have uh, an everyday center fielder. uh, That's not necessarily you know, like a Jackie Bradley Jr., Bradley Zimmer, Rymel Tapia type person. It will be an exciting ride. For sure, for sure. Upgrades will be made to Rogers Center. What are your thoughts on that? Awesome, awesome, love it. Um, You know, stadiums are going up all the time now. And it's, uh, you know, you want a great ballpark experience. I've had the privilege to go to, uh most of the ballparks in the majors and and every ballpark has their own things and it's good that you know they're just adding a couple more things to make rogers center uh unique you know and and having the bullpen close i think that's a lot of fun you know i you know you don't want it to get out of hand but can there be some playful banter between blue jays fans and opposing relievers now that they're so close to each other yeah that's that's a fun part of the baseball experience that's something you know when you're a kid that you want to go watch you know, when I was a kid, it was, you know, Mariana Rivera's warming up in the bullpen. Maybe we'll run around uh, to the bullpen and go see if we can catch a sneak peek at that. So that's a lot of fun bringing the fans closer. You know, it'll be, it'll be more aesthetically pleasing to see the ball land in fans hands and more pleasing to the fan experience outside of the aesthetics too, rather than, you know, there's a bit of a gap right now of like 10 to 15 feet between where the fans are in the outfield and where the wall is. So sometimes the ball just drops into no one. So that'll be nice. And, and, you know, making some more unique seating areas up top. I just, I think it'll be fun. You know, I'm always for changing it up, adding some new things um, and whatever can make it a more fun experience for the blue Jays fans. Uh, we'll make it, you know, better for the team too, because more people will be there to support the blue Jays. And if they are going to build a new stadium, they have to keep build. They have to put a roof on it. Yeah, I would always, I mean, they are the retractable roof inventors. Uh, you know, that is that is the the Rogers Center staple if you want to put one on it. Um, and yeah, it'll always be a domed or a retractable roof stadium. I think they like having the option of opening it. But uh, yeah, it's, it's nice to upgrade over rebuild just because Toronto's so densely packed, unlike some other places in the majors. Uh, you would, if they were to, to break ground on a new stadium, unless there was maybe some space at the lakeshore that I'm not aware of, they would probably have to do it outside of the city. Uh, you know, I, I don't live downtown, so that would help me out. But I know for the majority of Blue Jays fans, uh, it's a positive probably to keep it in the city and keep that experience there. And how can people contact you, Ben? Uh, yeah, you know, if uh, if you want to reach out to me about anything, check me out on Twitter, at Ben Shulman 7 I believe my DMs are open. Uh, so yeah, reach out to me there and, uh, and some exciting stuff, hopefully coming up, uh, on my Twitter soon, uh, as you know, we get into the winter sports and, and get into, you know, hockey, football, basketball. Awesome. Well, Ben, thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate your time. Yeah. Thank you. I really appreciate you having me on. And my thanks to Ben Shulman for hopping into the studio this week. In his car, driving down in his car. And you can follow him on Twitter once again at B-E-N-S-H-U-L-M-A-N-7. You can find me at ATOM Podcast 819 
at gmail.com. Do not forget the question of the week. Is John Schneider the right person to lead the Jays in further into the playoffs? And who do you think who do you feel the Jays should target? And are you comfortable with the idea of them trading Bobichet or Vladimir Guerrero Jr. or both? Leave me a voice message and please give me permission to play the voice message. And if you're going to email, please give me permission to read your note on air. I am your host, Ali Musa. Always reminding you that it is not goodbye, it is until next time. Thank you so much for listening to All Over the Map. If you have any questions or feedback, you can email me at atompodcast819 at gmail.com. That is A as an alpha. As in the, O as in over, M as in map, podcast, 819 at gmail.com. You can also feel free to visit our website to learn more about upcoming episodes at https colon slash slash allytechgroup.wordpress.com slash podcast dash all dash over dash the dash map once again that is https colon slash slash ali tech group dot wordpress dot com slash podcast dash all dash over dash the dash map and it is not goodbye it is until next